So last week, Chelsea, when she was sharing, I was telling Michelle, I feel like Chelsea read my notes because we said the same thing. And I, I, I was sure that Ernst, where's Ernst? Were you reading? Were you reading my notes? Did you fudge tonight? You said so many things that were in my notes, it was kind of creepy. Because the title of my message tonight is The Man in the Mirror. You know? So I think as we look at the book of Romans and as we look at the Bible, period, I think sometimes as believers and former people that people that were formerly living in sin, addiction, jail, prison, whether you were living in your car, living in a parking lot, living in a box, living on a bench, living on a friend's couch, I think we begin to have low opinions of ourselves. And honest to God, I think that the way we think about ourselves affects how we can identify with Scripture. You know, so many times I identified with Beck. You know, you know that song? I'm a loser, baby, so why don't you kill me, right? I used to sing that to myself all the time, you know? You guys know, you know the song I'm talking about? If not, YouTube it. You know, I mean, that's the way I felt like. I'm a loser. So why, why, don't, why doesn't somebody just kill me? You know, my life isn't worth living. You know, I, I, I thought about suicide one time. I laid on a bridge in Salinas on, on North Main, and it was the night that I checked into Victory Outreach, and I snuck out one of like 25 times, and I was laying on the railing wanting to roll off into the freeway, and I was trying to wait for a truck to come by because I didn't want to just get like all lamed, you know, like just hurt, like, oh, broken leg, you're so stupid, you can't even kill yourself. Um, but I really thought I would be doing my family a favor. I thought I'd be doing the world a favor because I thought that, like, like many of you, things will never change. I'm a loser. I'm not good enough. I'll never be good enough. You know, we need to stop sometimes thinking those things and we need to see what God sees in us. You know, they say a picture is worth a thousand, a thousand words, and if a picture is worth a thousand words, I think a video is worth a million words. I, was, I shared this video many, many years ago. I was looking on YouTube today, and I want to show you a simple three-minute, it's a, it's a soap commercial, but it says everything I'm trying to say, and then I'll get up here and, and finish that, and we'll go through the book of Romans, but this will kind of convey what I'm trying to say. So let's go ahead and watch that, James. I'm a forensic artist. Worked for the San Jose Police Department from 1995 to 2011. I showed up to a place I'd never been, and there was a guy with a drafting board. We couldn't see them. They couldn't see us. Tell me about your hair. I didn't know what he was doing, but then I could tell after several questions that he was drawing me. Tell me about your chin. It kind of protrudes a little bit, hmm. especially when I smile. Your jaw? My mom told me I had a big jaw. What would be your most prominent feature? I kind of have a fat, rounder face. The older I've gotten, the more freckles I've gotten. I would say I have a pretty big forehead. Once I get a sketch, I say thank you very much, and then they leave. I don't see him. 
All I had been told before the sketch was to get friendly with this other woman, Chloe. Today I'm going to ask you some questions about uh, a person you met earlier, and I'm going to ask you some general questions about their face. She was thin, so you could see her cheekbones. And her chin, it was a nice, thin chin. She had nice eyes. They lit up when she spoke. Cute nose. She had blue eyes, very nice blue eyes. So here we are. This is the sketch that you helped me create. And that's a sketch that somebody described of you. So yeah, let's... She looks closed off and fatter, sadder too. Mm -hmm. The second one looks more open, friendly, and happy. Mm -hmm. I should be more grateful of my natural beauty. It impacts the choices and the friends that we make, the jobs we apply for, how we treat our children. It impacts everything. It couldn't be more critical to your happiness. Do you think you're more beautiful than you say? Yeah. We spend a lot of time as women analyzing and trying to fix the things that aren't quite right. And we should spend more time appreciating the things that we do like. So I think we kind of get the gist of that. We need to stop looking at ourselves of the person that we were. You know, 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, any man that's in Christ is a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. We need to stop looking at that old person in the mirror. And we need to start seeing, because so I hear so many people say, and I have said to so many people, if you could only see what I see in you, you would feel different about yourself. Because some people look at us and they see so much ability, so much hope, so much chance, so much opportunity in us, but we're carrying the world with us, and all we remember is where, what we were, where we came from, the burdens that we have, the burdens that we carry, and that I'm never going to get there, I'm never going to be good enough, I'm never going to be happy enough, I'm never going to be holy enough, I'm never going to know enough, and that's, that's, that's a lie from the pit of hell. You know, we need to think about how does God see me? What does God think about me? What does God feel about me? Because I promise you, we have beat ourselves up for far too long. Because it's pointless. It's pointless to think, I'm a loser, I'm never going to change. We need to start thinking about, I, I can change. What is my word for the year going to be? You know, what am I going to do? You know, when Ernst was saying that, the only word that came to me was impact. I want to make a bigger impact this year than ever. So what does that mean? That means I got to get busy and figure out, for me, what does that mean? You know, so what is your, let's take what Ernst said and combine it with what I'm saying, and how are we going to take these things and learn from them? Because when we read the Bible or go to church, 
when we have a low opinion of ourselves, we tend to see the Bible and God's word as condemning. Like, I'm doing everything wrong. God, can I do anything right? You know, we opened up tonight with you saying, therefore, there is no condemnation. And that's the truth. We have to realize and we have to understand that the old us is gone. This is the new guy. What you see is what you get. I don't have to live in that lifestyle anymore. I don't have to live in that shame. I don't have to live in that condemnation. I've done my time. I've been sentenced. I'm set free by the blood of Christ. And that's just the bottom word. And as we understand those things about ourselves and we believe those things, as we read God's word, we don't any longer see condemnation. We, we begin to see direction and hope and vision and happiness and I can do this. You know, the little engine that could, you know? I know I can, I know I can, I know I can, you know? And you can, but we have to believe in ourselves. And I'm not saying this is some big self-help, feel-good, touchy-feely group, but we have to start looking at that man in the mirror a little bit differently. Like, yeah, you did some bad things, but today's a new day. You know, um, Ernst still that, uh, shared out of Lamentations. His, you know, Ernst was saying, I like a new year. I, I like a new day. Because it says in that very book, his mercies are new every day. Because who doesn't blow it probably every day? Right? You know, and, you know, we look for outs. You know, the first thing Ernst said is, hey, I don't, you know, with all the heavy stuff on the table, maybe diet isn't the best thing for this year. I'm like, amen, brother. I was on day two, Ernst, thank you. No mas, you know, back to burgers tomorrow. No, I'm kidding. Um, but as we think about ourselves as the king thinks about us, and as we think about ourselves as our friends and loved ones think about us, you know, have you ever, and this is going to be, I don't mean this weird, you know, if you're, if you're like at a mall or in a grocery store, right, and you see a stroller and you look in and you see this baby and you're like, oh, oh, oh no. What does the mom say? Isn't that the cutest kid you have ever seen? You know? So we need to think of ourselves like the people that love us think about us. You know, you may not have the cutest looking mug in the world. You may not be the skinniest person in the room. But we should think about ourselves as others think about us. The good things. Like, I can do this. I can get this. I want to understand this. And as we read the Bible with a different perspective, it changes the way we read the Bible. Because your attitude affects your altitude. Amen? Right? Because if you have a bad attitude, you're never going to get above here. You're never going to achieve the things that you want to achieve. You know, I know we think, of, uh, we think of God as in heaven, like way up in the sky or way up in outer space. So that fits there as well. But your attitude will affect your altitude. It will affect your relationships. It will affect everything about you. So... I'm not saying that you have to think you're the best person in the world or the best looking person in the world or 
the strongest person in the world or whatever. What I'm saying is we ought to think more of ourselves as God thinks about us, as new creations, as, as an opportunity and a new life. And when we read the Bible, think about these as opportunities. See, when I was getting sober and becoming a Christian, I was thinking, well, Christianity is lame. If I can't smoke and I can't drink and I can't cuss and I can't steal something occasionally, if I can't go home and watch dirty movies, what, 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 is, what, what, what is there left to do? Right? But, you know, has anybody ever thought that? What do Christians do for fun? Right? I, it, it was like a club I didn't want to be a part of because how can you have any fun if you're not high? Or if you're not out acting stupid or smoking pot or driving or stealing cars or robbing places, right? Because those are the things that we did that we thought were fun. You know, every time when I became a believer, and I would say, Michelle would say, well, you, you shouldn't do that. And I'm like, okay. And then the next day, it was like something else. And I'm like, can you just like give me the whole list now? <laughs> because I'm really kind of sick and tired of conquering these 11 things you gave me. And then two days later, there's like nine more. I mean, what's going on? Does God hate me? Does he not want me to have any fun at all? Well, what I started discovering was that remembering the next day was fun. Having money in my pocket was fun. Having people look me in the eye was fun. Having people trust me was cool. Not having people put their purse away when I went to their house, that was really cool. You know, because you go to somebody's house and you watch, the, you watch them make the excuse to like, like, to get their purse out of the room. Like, it, it was kind of funny, you know, like, because they don't, they, Mike's, Mike's here, man, you better put that purse away, and you got to figure out how to do it. Um, but we start to realize that I can, I can tell a funny story without using this filthy language. I don't, I don't need to steal that. I can actually maybe save a few bucks and go buy it. Right? Imagine that. I don't have to try to cheat on my taxes because I actually might get a return back if I just do my taxes legitimately, right? I should pay my child support because it's my child. You know, there are just all those things that we look at. It was like, yeah. Really, that's really the right thing to do. So instead of looking at the Bible as a, a list of things that you don't get to do anymore, look at the Bible as a list of things that you get to do sober, and you get rewarded for them. You feel good about You help somebody out, you feel good. If you see somebody less fortunate, you buy them some gas, buy them some groceries, or give somebody a ride, or, or pay a bill for somebody, or buy somebody a tire, something that's not a big deal to you. To them, it's like the biggest thing in the world. You know, when we were struggling, Michelle and I, because I was using, I mean, we, I mean, we had like rice and ramen, right? I mean, seriously, that's, I mean, and that's no exaggeration. You know, no money for gas, no money for rent, no money for utilities. And I remember one day we came home from church and there were so many groceries on our front porch and in our front area, we had to walk through the gate, go in the back door, and open the door so we can actually unload them into the house because we couldn't even get to our door, right? And I'm like, why, why would someone do that, you know? 
There's no groceries because I'm a drug addict. There's no groceries because I've been in jail. There's no groceries because I spent all my family's money on dope. There's no groceries because I'm out robbing and stealing. But people are buying me food. That's crazy. What's wrong with you people? You know? There, so I had to start looking at it. Christians aren't people to take advantage of. People are Christians to be in fellowship with, people to learn things from, right? I used to stand in the back when I was a non-believer and think, and then I finally started thinking, looking around the room on a Sunday morning when there's like 440 people in here and say to myself, am I the only one that doesn't believe this? I mean, there's 400 people in here they're all, they're all like raising their hands and they're singing and they're putting money in the plate and what's wrong with me? Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe my perspective is wrong. And you know, once I started realizing that, things dramatically begin to change in my life. Like, it's me. I'm the problem. I'm the one who's closed off. I'm the one who's pig-headed. I'm the one who's stubborn. I'm not the one that's letting this happen. And I begin to look at that man in the mirror a little differently and think, I don't like what I see yet, but maybe someday. You know, maybe someday I'll get to know this guy better and begin to like this guy. And, you know, as I did, and as I begin to read the Bible, it spoke to me. It's like, these, look at all the things I get to do. I get to be good and kind and caring and loving. And I get to be a good dad. I get to be a good husband. I get to be a good friend. I get to be a good brother. I get to be the, here, ready, a good example. Think about that. Think about the way you're Did you ever think you would be a good example? Like, ever? You know, Richie used to tell me, you know, I need to set a good example for my sister, Right? And then he would mess up, and then he would come back. But the beauty of that was he, he, he kept coming back because he knew that 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 he had to get it right eventually. So you guys, I think as we begin to look at ourselves and we, then we begin to read scripture, it begins to sink in more because we deserve it. We deserve this knowledge. We, des- we deserve this kindness. We deserve this love from God. We are deserving, right? You know, I'm glad that I have never been given what I, what I actually, what I deserve, because what I deserve is to burn in hell. But because of God's grace, God's mercy, and the work, the finished work on the cross, like you said, there is now therefore no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And so as we continue to go through Romans, we understand stuff like starting in verse 9, it says, you, however, are not in the flesh, but in the spirit. Because that's what I just urged you guys to do. Don't live in the flesh. Start living in the spirit and saying, okay, maybe I don't get this, but I'm going to accept this. I'm going to open myself up to it because I deserve a chance at a better life. I, I feel like I deserve an opportunity to repent of my sin and, and have an opportunity, a better, fuller life for me. I want to pick a word that I'm gonna that I'm gonna strive for, you know. When you go running, you you you, if you're gonna start running, what you do is you pick a race, right? You pick a race. So, and I've said this before. Like when I the first time I decided to run a marathon, I was please know you go to Google 
You Google, I want to run a marathon. This website pops up. What is the date of your marathon? It's October 21st, blah, blah, blah. And it generates this program for you. Well, tomorrow morning, you're going to get up and you're going to run two miles. And then, you know, and then pretty soon, like four days out from the marathon, you're on a 19-mile run. You're like, I couldn't run 50 feet six months ago. Now I'm out running 19 miles. And in four days, I'm going to run 26.2. You know, you begin to work up to it. So as you begin to, work, to read God's word and it begins to sink in, you want to do it. You want to get a Bible, like, am I going to read? You know what? I'm going to read the Bible in a year. You know what? I'm going to read a psalm or a proverb every day. I'm going to do something. But as we, as we do these things, we want to do it. And they start blessing us, and we're like, then we, you know, what I notice is when I get on a good Bible reading plan and I don't get to read the Bible, it, make, it, it like makes me cranky, you know? And then you have to think about that. Well, gosh, you're annoyed this person's calling you because they need help because you were trying to read the Bible. So then you have to step back and go, oh, okay, you know, first things first, help the person, then read the Bible. But what I'm saying is it starts to kind of get into your routine. And then you start to understand, oh, okay, I get it. You know, because it's a big book, right? The Old Testament and the New Testament, I mean, it's a lot of stuff. There's historical books and prophetic books and, and gospels and, I mean, and just like, why do they got to count all the people? And, you know, I mean, you just, you read it and it's like, you know, because I like things in order, right? I, I, I like to be able to start a book and then go straight through. So when you ask somebody like, hey, how, we'll start in like, and like, well, that's not the beginning. And then Michelle and I were watching this show on Netflix and it was like, you can watch this show in any order. It's designed that way. You could start with episode 10 and then watch episode three and then watch episode two and then it'll all make sense in the end. Well, that's not the way that my brain works. I want to start at the beginning and I want to see the words the end at the end. So, but the Bible, the interesting thing about it is people tell you to start in those areas because those are the areas that we need to hear. Those are the things that we need to hear. It's the grace, the mercy, the love. And then we start to feel comfortable, like we're a part of something. Then you can start talking about like counting people and, you know, and just some of the parts of the Bible that are just like, for some people like, you know, like, well, that doesn't even make sense. You know, why would a fish swallow somebody? But you know something interesting I, I, I believe about the Bible, and a part, part of the reason I believe 100% it's historically true is because if I was going to write a book that was going to fool a bunch of people for thousands of years, there's so many stories I would have left out of it. I would have never, never had a whale swallow somebody and then spit, spit him out on the shore. Because that's kind of, a, kind of a big fish tail, right? You know, a talking donkey, what is this, Dr. Doolittle? You know what I mean? So when I start looking at the Bible and I start believe, seeing these things, I'm like, well, it has to be real because if it wasn't real, I mean, I would have left all this stuff out and made it more believable, you know? So I believe that everything in the Bible is word. I believe it's the inherent word of God. And so I believe that as I change my attitude 
and start to read it, it starts to make sense to me. And then I want, I, I want, to, I want the blessings of God. I want to be happy. I want to be joy-filled. I want to, I, want to, I want to raise my hands in worship to God. I want to be able to give money to missions. You know, I want to give alms to the poor. Well, that wasn't the old me. The old me was, man, steal the offering plate and, you know, and rob the safe and whatever. I mean, it's pretty funny that I'm on staff because the church knows very well, because I was very honest. I used to come to church because I wanted to rob the place, you know? I followed him around long enough to know where the safe was, and thank God I never did it. I mean, that would be really bad. Um, be quite a story, but, um, but even if I had done that, God could have still reached me. He could have still redeemed that. There's nothing you can do that is so bad that God isn't going to love you. There's nothing you can do that is so bad that God isn't going to forgive you and redeem you and give you the ability to have a happy, joy-filled life and begin to allow you to understand Scripture in God's Word. So it says, in fact, the Spirit of God dwells in you. Anyone who does not have the Spirit of Christ does not belong to him. So when you're saying, well, that's pretty mean or that's pretty harsh, well, no, actually it's not because God is giving us an opportunity to be with him. It's a buy-in, right? It's like, if you do this, this is what you get. And it's not something that we have to do. It's not something, it's something we simply have to believe. And I think that's also part of the reason it makes it so hard. Because I'll go out and work all day, and you can pay me. And I'm, I earned that. I'm a man. I, I, man, I worked hard. I earned that. If you walk up and just hand me money, it's hard because it, it hurts our pride, right? I didn't earn that. So it's harder to accept. You know what I mean? So all this is free? Yes. What's the catch? There isn't one. But that's contrary to how we lived our lives, isn't it? Because it was all about me, all about my needs, what I need, what I can get, you know. So that goes against everything that we, I think some of us were even taught as men. Like, you, you know, you earn your living and you take care of your family and you do this and, you know, nobody gives you nothing. You got to work for everything you get, which is true in a sense. But then when you start talking about this free gift of God, it's like, well, wait a minute. There has got to be a catch. Or maybe I just watch too many infomercials, you know, because uh, there's always more. You know, how for 1995 can you do two sets of ironclad pots and pans and the knife set and the baking dishes and the bagel cutter? You know what I mean? Something is, something stinks in, in, in Dodge, right? But that's just the way that I think that we were. So it's hard to like, well, this is all free. But, you know, once you realize it is, it's like, it's just... <laughs> This is the best gig in town. Why doesn't everybody do this? You know, why doesn't everybody take advantage of this? Why doesn't everybody want to do this? Well, why did it take me so long? Because it, it took what it took. And the biggest thing for me is once I begin to see myself as hopeful, to see myself as a possibility, things change. I can, I might be able to do this. And the people start to come around you and they start to encourage you. They're happy to see you. You know, that is so cool when you roll, roll into church on a Sunday. They're offering you coffee. There's, you can smell the bacon in the grill. 
People are happy to see you. Hey, it's good to see you, and you get to hang out. I mean, I never got that welcome in Chinatown, right? I never got that welcome at the Connections House or at the Methadone Clinic, you know? I didn't. But it sure feels good to be in the house of the Lord and to get those. So, but if Christ is in you, though the body of sin is dead because of sin, the spirit is life because of the righteousness. Verse 11, if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Jesus Christ from the dead will also give you, give your immortal bodies through spirits who dwells in you. So I want some of that. That's what I want, right? I want to know that people think more highly of me than I think of myself, you know? I want to understand that there is an inner beauty in me that God sees, that people who love me see. I want to have eyes to understand that I am righteous in the eyes of God, that I have truly been forgiven in God's economy. And we need to, we, we, you guys, we got to cut the past loose. The past is, the, the past is in the past, you know? I, I say this all the time. Coach says it all the time. If you get in a car... What's one of the first things you do when you sit in your car? What do you adjust? Turn on the bridge, you guys. Turn on the radio <laughs> to Christian station. You, you rearview mirror. You know? Why is the rearview mirror so small? The rearview mirror is simply designed to quickly glance at what's behind you. And the windshield is so big because you need to see what's coming. Right? So don't spend your time looking in the rearview mirror. Because if you do, you're going to crash. Right? What do you, you don't call it the windshield. What do you call it, Ernst? Did you? Somebody called it like something. Something was like, yeah. What was it? The windscreen. Yes. The windscreen. Yes. Yes. That's what the Swedes call it. The Dutch. That's what the Dutches call it. It's the windscreen. Can you clean my windscreen, please? Right? Ernst, I love you. You know that. Um, But we need to spend more time looking at what's ahead of us and less time at what's behind us. Yeah, glance occasionally and see what's behind you and be, thank God you're not there anymore. How many of you want to get up from where you're at today and go back to where you were? Right? Anybody? Right? You know when you're having one of those dreams, like anybody, I, you know, the, I used to have those using dreams all the time. And I would relapse and I would wake up so mad at myself. You know, thank God those finally stopped. But it's like, I've done so well. Why did I do that? You know, I don't want to live in the past. I don't want to dwell in the past. I don't want to be a child of the past. I want to be living the here and now. I want to Think of my word for next year, and I want to strive toward that, and I want to do the best that I can to do something, something that's going to matter, you know, something that's going to be a big deal. You know, I, I saw, I, you know, and I, and I, I know there was the, the whole thing with the person on the football team that had the heart attack, and that was awful, but something that they po- somebody posted was really, really impactful to me because I was a firefighter paramedic for almost 20 years. And 
it, it said, it showed the picture of the ambulance and it had it circled like, it was like, like they were drawn out of play. And it said the lowest, players, the lowest paid person in the field was the most important that day. You know what I'm saying? Because it was the guy making 20 bucks an hour that made the impact of the day. So, so it's not all about what you have or what you're going to get. What can you do with where you're at? You know, if you're making 20 bucks an hour and you can make an impact, then do it. You know, don't wait till you get to somewhere else or come or hire someone bigger. God can use you where you're at right now today. You know, so that's what it's all about. It's about being where God wants you to be. And please think about yourself as hopeful or changeable. Mark's favorite word. Mark has a word that I love, and he's going to say it right now. Pliable. You know, if we're pliable, that means we're moldable, we're changeable. That's a good thing. But if we get in here and we sit in church and we're rigid, like, nobody's going to change me. I'm not going to raise my hand. I'm not putting a dollar in the, in the basket. You know? It's not what it's about. It's about wanting to. It's like, I get to raise my hands. I get to put money in the basket. I, I get to talk to somebody. I get to say good morning to somebody. I get to give somebody that hope. I get to be that good friend or that person or that mentor. That's what it's about. Amen? So we're going to have the worship team come up. And if you didn't get communion, it's in the back where we are going to take communion together. And uh, often I talk to people and, and I see them and I go, well, how can you do it? Well, I wasn't, I'm not worthy of communion. Well, if you're a believer, you're worthy of communion. Because God is not up there keeping score and saying, well, Ernst, you were kind of snappy today, so this isn't for you today, Right? But the beauty of communion is that it gives us an opportunity to remember the finished work on the cross. As you said, there is now, therefore, no condemnation. So something that happened a really, really long time ago still benefits us today. So if any of you need to go back and get communion, I will wait. So it was that finished work on the cross that gave us the access the, the full access pass, the VIP pass, right? I remember one year I went to a conference, in a Victory Outreach conference in, in Los Angeles with the LA Convention Center. And Victory Outreach is primarily a Hispanic church. And I, I, here I come showing up with a bunch of bridge guys. None of us are Hispanic. We're probably, out of 50,000 people there, maybe nine of us that weren't Hispanic. So we kind of stood out. And we come rolling up to the front, and they looked at me, they looked at us like, like, are you guys lost? Because we weren't, we, I mean, they were all decked out in suits, you know, we're, we're Calvary Monterey, flip-flop shorts, you know, come on now, come on somebody. Um, so they were like looking at us like, yeah, what you? and I said, well, I'm, I'm here, I'm a guest of Pastor Herb Leros. So the, the, the lady looks and She looks, and then she looks at me, and she looks again. She calls somebody on the phone. The person comes over, and they're, like, discussing it, and then they're making phone calls, and they're like, like, oh, man, what's going on? This is embarrassing. I mean, 
for me to get, like, booted out of this conference? And then, I mean, and then they kept going back and forth, and then were, the lady was, like, shaking her head and arguing with this other person, and then finally she's like, all right. And she whips out this VIP pass, and she puts it around my neck, and she gets my group of six guys, and she says, would you guys like to go back to where the pastors are praying before they come up to speak? I'm like, no, we just want to have our seat. And so she walks us up to the very front, and they had this whole, like, the front 16 rows roped off, like, no VO people. Like, if you're in a men's home, you are not. Do not even try to sit in those 16 rows. Those are, those are the VIP rows. And they walked us into the VIP row, and they set us down. They brought us bottled water, notepads with like VO subscriptions on it. They gave us pins. I mean, it was like, it was like royalty. And I was like, man, I didn't do anything, but I'm being treated like I'm special. And the reason I was being treated like I was special was because I was a friend of Pastor Herb's. And they thought so highly of him, like anybody that's a friend of Pastor Herb's, we're going to treat right. So I say all that long explanation to say that tonight you guys are all friends of the king. You guys are all worthy of those VIP passes, right? You have that full access to him. You are eligible for the completed work upon the cross. So as we, we take the bread, we, you know, Jesus said, this is my body broken for you. And whenever you partake of this, think of me. So we can partake of the bread. And he said, this is, this is my blood shed for you. When you take this, do it in remembrance of me. So you guys, you have these VIP full access passes. You don't deserve them. You didn't do anything to earn them, but you get them anyway, right? And that's what it's about. It's about believing in, 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 in Christ, believing that he can change you, and then, then simply stand back and let him do it. As, as you allow him to change your heart, your life will dramatically change, and all of a sudden people respect you, you're doing things that excite you, you're, you're excited about life, you don't think about using anymore, you don't have getting high dreams anymore. That whole life is so foreign to you, it's like, it's like, it's like, who was that? You know, I mean, who was that? Because I don't even recognize that person in the mirror anymore. Amen? So, Lord, we thank you. We praise you, Lord. And uh, just as they sing this last song, just really, just really think about where you're at with him. Really, I would really encourage you to, as Ern said, really think about what is your word for the year? What is it you want to work on, or what is it you want to be about this year as we move forward in 2023? In Jesus' name, amen. <laughs>